Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Eagle Community Church of Christ podcast. You're listening to one of our classes. This class is going over the previous sermon where we talked about how to discern real prophecy, real prophets. So I hope it's helpful for you. Let's dive into it. And I love doing that. So today we're talking about the second sermon on prophecy. So we didn't get too weird with prophecy, did we? Didn't get too too weird or too uh, uh, predicting the future or anything like that. We uh, uh, we talked about kind of how to uh, how to discern, how to uh, understand, and I think that's hopefully that's helpful to all of you. And so again, I've just written some questions here, and hopefully this will uh, just get the conversation started. And so, question number one for you this morning. From Nehemiah, we find out that the Spirit of God was used to teach or instruct or warn through the prophets. So I'm curious, have you ever had a teaching or warning from Scripture that you needed to hear? And bonus points if you will share that. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, we're we're starting off we're starting off right. (laughs) I think. Bo spoke up because he needed to confess, and so we'll go ahead. There you go. So does anything stick out in your mind as a time where you heard a sermon, you read from Scripture, something happened, and you thought, I needed to hear that? Anything you'd like to share about it? How many of you say yes? I definitely remember a specific time. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> it's the perfect age. <laughs> Does anybody want to share? Raise your hand. Introverts first, right? No? I always wonder when bad things happen. In Hebrews 12, it says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he returns you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as a discipline. Hmm. What do you do with that, huh? Do you remember a time when that hit you hard or that just stuck out to you? Several. Several times, yeah. There's a lot there. I mean, Scripture talks over and over about perseverance and refining through fire. Uh, Peter will say, count it all joy. When you come into uh, trials of various kinds, right? Is that Peter? Is that James? James, okay, James said that. Peter said some other things. Peter, yeah, he probably told James that. Um, But yeah, uh, how in the world do you count it all joy when that, or how do you count it as discipline? You got to kind of remind yourself, I've been through hard times before and I came out better on the other side. I don't like it. That's kind of where I am. Uh, I'm not to the point where I can say, man, I just count it all joy that things are going so poorly right now. But it's the punishment side of Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I can't answer that. <laughs> I don't know. Can you tell us what you did? <laughs> no, yeah, but I'm public. Okay, that's fine. No problem. Hey, there you go. Make sure, make sure that's a... Anybody else want to share on that? Mm. So 
that my anger gets back. And I go home, and there's a, I have the fruits of the Spirit on a sign in my dining room, love, joy, peace. And I looked up at that and went, well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I had it not. Yeah. I even use that in my apology. It's like, I totally messed up here. Sorry. Yeah. I love that, though. I mean, that's, uh, that's a sign of a heart that, you know, wants to do right, you know. You get confronted with it, and you don't you don't get angrier, you know, or upset that you know. You think, okay, you know, you feel bad because you did whatever, but yeah, you still see the scriptures telling you, okay, maybe I didn't do that right. Yeah, good. That's right. Ask for forgiveness. Anybody else? For me, the bad company corrupts good morals. Really, really evaluate who I allow in my life and who mm. not. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay. or how you see that, or do you want me to speak into that? The way I see it is I, I have relationship, you know, acquaintances with people who I wouldn't hang out with, uh, but mm-hmm. I still talk with them and, and try to, you know, live, uh, live my life the best I can. And if, <coughs> if, you know, if the topic comes up, you know, about Jesus or church or God or whatever, then mm-hmm. I don't have any problems talking about that with them. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I'm not going to just go hang out with them and do, and do some of the things that they see are appropriate and okay because sure. you know, throughout my life the majority usually rules and you end up following what, what the majority does yeah. so uh, just trying to distance that part of it mm-hmm. yeah I, I would say Karen it's a great great question and one that we've in my church career uh, life I don't know um, has always struggled with how do you do both of those things? How, how do you exist in a place where we are the hands and feet of Jesus, that we do influence other people, but have this, at least in my mind, some kind of boundary that we don't cross as far as, uh, because Jesus uh, gets on the Pharisees and the religious people, you know, of, of how distant they are from people, you know. Uh, they said of Jesus, you know, if he actually knew who this woman was, you know, he wouldn't be doing that. Yet Jesus crosses a lot of lines with allowing a female to uh, kind of be in his space the way she was. And so uh, I think we have to kind of look through that lens. How do I exist in that same space but, but also not be uh, tainted by the world? Uh, a good, good way to think about it. Yeah, 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 and that, that may be your boundary, and, and of course, uh, I think when I first came here, I shared the story of uh, uh, an Abilene professor who, who said uh, one of the last, <clears throat> last days of school or something, uh, one, of the, one of his students came up and said that he'd, he told the professor he'd really, really uh, helped him and <clears throat> helped him see his mission in the world, and 
He said, oh, what are you planning on doing? He said, man, he said, I, he said, I think God has called me to be a bartender. <clears throat> and he said his thought was, uh-oh, what, what did I do? What did I say to do that? And his, this student's idea was, you know, who better to be there in the time of need for someone than a Christian? And I don't think everybody should do that. And I kind of have to wrestle with that in my mind, but I also get it, you know. Uh, and so I think uh, we don't like answers that are different for different people, but I think we all have different capacities and different, uh, different things that would um, draw us in uh, where something might, I couldn't be around it, but you could type of thing. Do you have something else? I did. I travel a lot in her job. One horse town, one had a bar. People go there to eat, but it was a bar. Mm -hmm. And so they were going to have a Bible study there. The bartender, being a lady, pulled out her Bible from the home bar because that was the only job she could do in that town. And they had Bible study. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I'm telling you. And that's, and that's where, like I said, it, it's kind of hard for us if we, um, you know, different, different answers for different people, different capacities. I'm hesitant to <clears throat> to draw those lines and say nobody should ever do that, you know, uh, because I wonder, <laughs> am I boxing Jesus out of this deal, you know? Am I trying to box God out of what he wants to do or where he wants to reach someone? And a lot of times it's rock bottom when people start looking for the light, right? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's great. What are y'all walking out of here thinking I say I said this morning? John said it was fine. <laughs> yes, it's, it's always interesting what what I said versus what people hear. You know, sometimes like you you want, or maybe nobody says a word to me about it, and I get home and I'm like, I wonder if they heard what I actually said there. Uh, you know, down thirty Yeah. Somebody somebody threw out as we've looked around town for uh, different meeting places. Uh, some people threw that out and threw out the uh, Budweiser plant. And uh, I would be fine with that, but I wasn't sure how many of y'all would be, be okay with saying, well, we're down at the Budweiser shop this, this morning. We, we might have more people. I don't know. We might have more people show up and go, well, what's this about here? This search I can get behind here, yeah. Uh, Got to make sure our communion cups are kept separate, I guess. I don't know. Well, there you go. Maybe not. We'd had to change. We'd had to change venues. Maybe Scott wouldn't. Have, he wouldn't have been there with us anymore. Anything else you want to uh, share from this, or anything that the conversation has made you think of? I, I'm, do what? Better bars. Hey. Well, there you go. And that's that's. That's part of it, too, part of the conversation. I had a, because I skipped to the um, email that I got last week, I was going back over my notes, and I missed about three or four slides, I guess, in the end of it. But one of the questions I had there was, what do you do? What is your normal response kind of when you're faced with something like this? When you hear a sermon, you see the scripture on the wall, Alan, do you have telekinesis? Is that telekinesis that's moving stuff, or is that? I hope it's not. 
What do you do? What's your normal response when you're confronted with something that you know Scripture says one thing, but I am either living this way or I have these thoughts or something that's contrary to Scripture? How do you, how do you deal with that? What's your normal response? Laura's kind of shared you hers, and when she was faced with that particular instance, do you get defensive? Do you think, yeah, I've got to change immediately? An attitude of repentance? Um, angry? <laughs> what, do you, what do you guys say? Or, or do you, have you noticed a pattern with, with yourself, within yourself? I get that, yeah. I get that. Sometimes it may depend on what, what uh, mood you woke up in that morning, too, you know. What situation? Sure, yeah, the situation. How, uh, how involved you are in it. How much it means to you, maybe. Uh, maybe your, um, your journey through it. Am I already thinking, yeah, I shouldn't be doing this, or am I really enjoying it? I think that could, could change it, yeah. Any other thoughts there? Because what we're talking about here is, is the prophets having to give this information from God in not a way that protected their lives. We talked, uh, I think Donna mentioned last week about how dangerous it was to, to even be a prophet, right? Uh, and we can think of prophet uh, number one, par excellence, uh, Jesus. This is what God says, and they accepted fully, right? Said, man, we like this guy. He speaks from God. No, their response was what? He's got to go. He's got to go. We're going to try to throw him off a cliff, going to try to kill him, whatever we can do to make, uh, make this go away. And I think sometimes we can, we can stand in that same uh, position. All right. Number two, one of the marks of a true prophet is they have a compulsion to speak the truth from God, which is what we were just talking about. Why is this important to have as a prophet? A compulsion like I have to speak the truth from God. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a part of all this, right? It's not, <clears throat> and as we read these questions, as we think about uh, the, the broader series, all of this is empowered by the Spirit, right? Yeah, that I feel like I have to, you have to be bold. You ever been in a position where you knew you needed to say something and that's the last thing you wanted to do? You've been there, haven't you? If somebody's doing something uh, you need to speak into, whether it's a friend, like Paul's talking about, sometimes when you're around people that, okay, this isn't right. I need to say something or I need to at least be an example, and sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. Do you have? Mm. I just have to do that. I'm sorry. 
Well, I don't remember a scripture that says you cannot pray for a man in front of a man. Yeah. you need to in that moment. Anybody ever been in the hospital and had one of those little Catholic nuns come pray for you? Yeah, I remember Katie um, giving birth to Evan. <clears throat> little old bitty, small woman came in and just so meek. You know, barely hear her speak at all. And she wanted to, wanted to pray, uh, pray for us. And <clears throat> there's a time that I would have been completely not okay with that. Uh, the thought that not to get into the you know the rabbit hole of you know uh, roles of women or anything, but you know that women should keep silent all the time. I guess I don't know, but uh, I was I was so thankful uh, to have anybody pray for us at any time, uh, and so uh, yeah, to to feel like I need to do it, I, I get that. Any any other thoughts there? You had to be bold. That's what Karen said. Uh, I was in the hospital one time and a guy comes around and he prays. I didn't hear what church he went to, but it's a line church. Christ, he said, you know, that doesn't matter. When that trumpet sounds, we're all going to be there. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Everyone will be a believer at the end, won't they? Every knee shall bow, right? That's right. All right. Any other thoughts on this before we go to the next question? So I'm going to test your memory from last week's sermon. Who was Balaam? You remember? I'm just going to stand here and be quiet until we get the answer. <laughs> so Balaam was this prophet non-Israelite prophet, and uh, he was known as someone that you brought in and what he said was right. He prophesied correctly. Um, and, and so part of, part of the question, uh, Balak is the king who had him come in to curse Israel. Do you remember that now? now you come in, I want you to curse Israel. Um, and how'd that go? <laughs> Uh, not, not well, not as expected, right? So I, I want to start here. Uh, what do you make of the Spirit of God? Because that's what we're talking about, right? The Spirit of God coming onto a non-Israelite, this, this second, uh, prophet, a non-Israelite prophet like Balaam. <laughs> yeah, God can do what he wants, right? Any other thoughts on that? Is that... Before we started this study, is that something you thought about? The Spirit of God descending on someone who was not of God's people. You don't have to have an answer. I was just curious. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we grow up because we're times of death. We grew up. I mean, we're not Jews. Yeah. You know, I mean, what we grew up with is, well, yeah, anybody can be. Mm -hmm. I think whether you have long history in the church or not, that's a very common belief. 
school at Cross. So, I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think we're just more, we now are just more readily accepted than then. I just, just wish we had to understand the context of the time period and that certainly it was a totally different game. Sure. But. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about that whole uh, scenario. Oh, go ahead, Donald. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see uh, this morning in the sermon where God uh, pours out his spirit on a non-Israelite king. Uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of, with Karen on that, God can do and interact and uh, pour out His Spirit on whomever He wants to, right? Uh, part of the New Testament uh, journey with the, the Spirit, again, is, is kind of what Scott's on, is uh, who was accepted and who wasn't. And remember, uh, everybody received the Spirit of God at baptism, right? Except Cornelius. And that threw Peter off, right? Because Peter thought, it, well, it's just us. And all of a sudden, you have a Gentile who hasn't been baptized yet, but has obvious, obviously the Spirit of God has been poured out on him. And I think God, I don't think that was the norm, but I think God needed to act like that so that Peter said, okay, they are included too. And then, of course, Cornelius was, was baptized. But um, again, that kind of fits outside of our box. We normally try to draw, uh, and again... God can act uh, how he wants to. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, so Balaam was the gold standard for prophets in this time. Why was he unable to curse the Israelites? Do you remember? Three times he tried. Three times he blessed them. Why was he unable to curse the Israelites? Right? Karen's right on the mark on one of the ways. Donald? That's right. You didn't hear Donald? He said, you know, uh, Balaam said to begin with, I, I can only say what God has told me to say. That's the only thing I can I can give you, uh, and so that was part of the reason that he said, you know, the truth comes from God, and I can only give that. Uh, the other part is a part of the promise. Do you remember the promise to Abraham? And God says, "Whoever curses you, I will curse," and so a curse is not going to work against God's people, right? Uh, so let's just go along those lines. What all did, do you remember God promising Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 3? So this is, this is the promise. Do you remember what all he said? I've got the scripture on the next one, but I'm messing with you right now. Off the top of your head, what did God promise Abraham? I know you know some of it. Land, a nation, and his seed. There you go. Okay. Blessing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Paul added blessing and, and the curse, of course. I will curse uh, 
let's throw it up there. The Lord has said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land. I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You think he did all this? Okay. Uh, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. I want to pause right there. I think sometimes we may read that as whoever you curse, I curse. You know, God, stand behind this curse. Not what God says at all, is it? Like, whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And that's, that's something that we've got to hang on to for our, um, for our studies here, right? Did we, did we name them all? Great nation, land, I will bless you and make your name great. I think we got them all, didn't we? Great job, everyone. Uh, Balaam was told to only say what God wanted him to say. Back to this. Why was this important? <clears throat> or what's the opposite of this? Being false, yeah. Being false. What does it mean to be false? False prophet. Okay. To present the information as from God falsely. Yeah. I'm a false prophet. I tell you this comes from God. As we read, what, a couple of weeks ago, God's going, they keep talking, but I didn't tell them anything. Right? They keep saying these things. It's not from me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and so that's what we talk about when we talk about, you know, looking for false, uh, false prophets is, you know, you have to kind of run through the filter of, is this from God? How do we know if this is from God or not? All right. Balaam said no amount of money would change what he had to say from God. Have you ever felt pressure, financial or other, to not do things the right way? Yeah. My first job was at a bank, being a bank teller, before direct deposit. So Fridays, you saw everybody in town. And uh, I remember uh, a lady I went to church with, uh, she was one of my bosses there, and uh, she was standing there on a Friday afternoon where everybody had come in. I mean, everybody comes in, is nasty. People come in sweating from work, and they hand you a pile of, of money, and it's wet, too. Uh, but I was five cents off. And Miss Kathy, who is a sweet lady, she came up to me, and she said, John Robert, do you remember a transaction with five cents in it? I sure do. There were a bunch of them. I promise you. And... Uh, it's so hard because in, in, in my way of thinking, this is not a big deal. Let me throw in a nickel. No, policy doesn't allow that. We've got to mark it up that this was off. I'm thinking, we can save a lot of time here. <laughs> Everybody's good, you know, everything's right. I don't know. Can't do that. So, yeah, I appreciate you teaching your kids that, but... Uh, yeah, you ever get something accidentally for free? Maybe you shouldn't have. 
Uh, it still feels weird because if you get um, like deliver or not delivery, but pick up groceries from Walmart or HEB, we've gotten completely like extra bags of stuff. And of course, if you call them, uh, they'll say, "Well, you can donate it or something like that." And I still feel it's like that's right. That's right. Yeah. Or, does your boss know you're doing this? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so anybody else, you ever felt the pressure, uh, either financial or other, not to do things the right way? We're not going to do a tax audit in here today. <laughs> but sometimes some of the rules with, with taxes, right, drive me nuts. And my wife's an accountant. I mean, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure they'll, they'll get on board with that, Alan, when they're, they're grilling you over those expenses. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, that's, that's, our, that's our problem right there. As long as you've got a team of lawyers, you're probably fine to use, use the, the tax code correctly. Um, uh, <laughs> you and Scott are good today, uh, whatever those were. Yeah, it, uh, taxes is always a weird thing for me. You know, you're supposed to do what you're supposed to do, you know, and some of them just don't make sense. I don't think we ought to be taxed when we make money, when we spend money, when we keep having things because of the money we spent, you know, and all those things. Like, it's r- ridiculous. Uh, one of the funniest things, and uh, this is hopefully not a, uh, too political this morning, but one of the funniest things I, uh, I've ever seen was Remember when Trump and Hillary were going back and forth? And I think Hillary said something about changing the tax code and, uh, or changing the rules, and, and Trump said, no, you will not, because all your backers utilize, you know, and, and are able to take advantage because of the team of lawyers, you know, and accountants and all this stuff. And, and I was like, there's nothing more true. I mean, if you can, take, if you can do that, you do it. You, it's not wrong, but, you know, it's, it's the code, yeah. And so, but unless you have that, you know, knowledge, base or anything like that, you can't do it in the same way, and so uh, I thought that was uh, a true statement, you know, a true statement from a politician, I couldn't believe, but uh, uh, I don't think we saw any radical changes on any of that. (laughs) Anybody else want to throw in something? I told this before, but I had a house for sale in Nashville before we moved down here, and several months went by, and finally an offer came, came to us, it was $15,000 $15,000 lower than what we were asking, but we were we were needed to sell it, so we accepted the offer. And a few days rolled by, and the realtor called me up. She said, hey, we got another offer on your house for the original amount. I said, well, I've already told the other, the other people, you know, about, I've given them my words. She said, you're going to turn down $15,000? I said, well, tell the other couple I'll give them $5,000 cash to walk away from it, and then give the other people the opportunity. Well, they wouldn't take it. So, we, it's went through. so I, I'm baffled in this world today where people just don't keep their word. Yeah. The word's not the bond, but the handshake doesn't do the contract. Yeah, it feels more more like it. We're geared to, uh, I had I had a, a buddy uh, lived in my town and it felt like he was raised to in a way that said they're going to try to get over on you so you try to get over on them first and i just can't stand that mindset that we that we've got to get you know that i need to take advantage of you first because you're going to try to get me 
instead of my word is my bond that I can just say. I don't have to, you know, the Bible talks about swearing an oath, you know, that I don't have to do that. I, I, you know that if John Gunner tells you something, he's going to do the best of his ability. He's going to try to do it. You know, that's what I hope that we live by. But, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good one there because it financial, man, that's tough, right? Because you're thinking all the ways I could have spent that extra money, right? Already got it spent, probably, in my mind. I have to be able to sleep at night. <laughs> and if I do something that's going to keep me awake at night, it's, it's wrong. So I'm Just can't do it, yeah. i got to be able to sleep at night. So. I'm the same way. I uh, Stuff like that eats me up. If I would have felt like, man, I got over on him. Now, I do, and I don't think this is even in the same language, but I love going to auctions. I love going to sales where you can kind of negotiate and things like that. But uh, I think when you, especially when you have the advantage or you, know, you can't, you have got the power to kind of mess somebody over. Yeah, I, no, we've got to do things in the right way. Uh, and I love what Balaam said. Again, coming from a non-Israelite, no amount of money, you can fill this palace with all the stuff you have. Can't do it. I need to I need to do what, what comes from God and say what comes from God. Uh, anybody else? I think this is an interesting talking point. Yes, ma'am. I think it's interesting, too, how people say, well, nobody's going to know about it. I mean, oh, nobody's yeah. Nobody's really going to know. Yeah. And I guess my bringing up, which was pretty relaxed, but still, yes, God knows. I mean, it doesn't matter if they know. Mm-hmm. They're not going to know. Right. You got, it, you got it made. But God's going to know. And to me, that's... That's the harshest part of all. Yeah. That's the biggest deal of all. Right. But I don't know how much that thinking is. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Scripture tells us, well, I think one of the hardest things uh, for a lot of us is that we're supposed to confess our sin to each other. And uh, let me just ask you this. How well do you think we've done that in the church, in your experience? Which may be different from others. People have a different look at or different ideas sometimes of negotiating. Mm-hmm. You know, they both say you can't sleep tonight. Negotiating, I grew up in a family that we negotiate, but we call it Jewing. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't associate it with the Jews. I just thought that, that was, thought that was the term. Yeah, that I get it. Yeah. My dad was Jew on a car and a pair of boots. I mean, it wouldn't, doesn't matter what it was, negotiating it. But just you know, the Bible tells about the guy who finds this great pearl in the field, and he goes and buries it back in mm-hmm. down in there, and then he, and then he goes and buys the field. Well, We're thinking that's trespassing, right? Yeah. We see a piece of property, or we see a, something that, that you know we know has some significant value. Uh-huh. And maybe the other person who's selling it or does does not have to us to let them know that. Yeah. How do you reconcile that? That's interesting. And he's talking about the kingdom at that point, right? He's talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like this pearl found. Yeah. You bury it, do it, huh? You realize that you could have all the mineral rights. You can go a lot of a lot of different ways, right? My dad one time was uh, uh, my dad was a dentist, and he would come home immediately, put on overalls, uh, annoyed. My sister to no end because he has his traveling overalls too. So getting on a plane, anything like that, he's in overalls. Uh, but a farmer, you know, has a bunch of cows. And one time he had a cow 
get into uh, the pasture with all of his cows. Wasn't his. And he asked every landowner around there whose cow it was, and every one of them said, no, it was not mine. What do you do? Well, eventually we ate it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, still, in church one time, somebody brought up, because somebody knew about that, brought up and said, my dad had, uh, he's not fit to be an elder because you remember when you stole that cow from those people. Uh, that's right. Uh, amen. Cow wanders into my my place over here. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Sometimes it's uh, it's tough. It's tough like that. Did the meat taste good? Oh, I'm sure it did. Oh, that's. I don't know if I've met a cow that didn't. To be honest with you, uh, I, I would always warn my dad because we'd go out. Uh, the the pastures he had always had cows on them. We'd hunt them too. Some of them had a lot of wood. And uh, some of those bulls were very territorial and put me under fences, you know, real quick or everything. And there were a couple of times I came back angry and told Dad, listen, if he does that again, I'm going to shoot him. I'll help you skin him. We'll cut him up. We'll eat well. But I'm going to have to shoot him. I'm not letting him hit me, you know, or anything. And he always just kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Never did have to shoot that cow. I did have to fire a a muzzleloader in the air one time and, I had a bunch of cows gathering around me, looked like they were going to get me, and uh, I fired my muzzleloader, and it was so humid that the smoke just kind of hung there, and it freaked those cows out. They didn't know what to do about that smoke I had produced, you know. I was I was some kind of wizard at that point to them. I hate to brag to y'all, but I was some kind of wizard, I guess. All right, so the book of John says God's word is truth. What does this mean to you? And it's just as open-ended as it sounds. I just want to see what does this mean to you? Trustworthy, okay? Okay. Confirmation. Okay. It's true. We can stand by it. Other thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's in context. And does it bother you now when people say, well, this is my truth? Well, this oh, is yeah. My truth. Oh, yeah. Everybody's got their own truth. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I like things black and white like anybody else, Connie. Uh, so, it, so it's tough. But the more I've studied scripture, that's why I, I kind of you know, kid Scott with that is, man, some of these things we, we knew were truth and we preached God's truth is this. And you get in there and you're going, I think we took that out of context. You know, and sometimes that happens. Uh, and that goes into this whole discussion of how do you discern and how do you understand. I wrote way too many questions for this, I think. Uh, I've got a bunch left. Okay. Um, so let's, let's do these next two things. How do we discern truth? And these are just from last, uh, the last uh, sermon. Uh, does this thing fit with Scripture? Okay. Number two, is this a contextual truth in Scripture? So does the whole of Scripture, does this fit the whole of Scripture? Or are we grabbing something and pulling it out? And we talked about things like prosperity gospel. Okay, God wants you to have, uh, Valentine, God wants you to have 
the nicest car, and that's what he wants. And if you don't have it right now, it, your blessing is just around the corner. When you go to Scripture to try to find that, and you don't find it, okay, uh, maybe this is not exactly what God wants. Uh, and number three, as you remember from the class and the sermon last week, we are to study like the Bereans because they were better looking. Is that what we decided? No, because even they even questioned the Apostle Paul, right? And so you look at, at what is said and you compare it to the rest of Scripture, just like all of this. You go, is this right? And uh, often what that, that includes or involves is understanding kind of what you bring to the table. That if you're studying a particular topic and you're passionate about that topic, uh, that there are times maybe I don't see it as clearly. Um, and pick topic A, B, C, whatever. Uh, I don't want to throw one out because I'm... Think that's the only thing John's thinking about. Uh, but a lot, especially if, you know, say something specific to churches of Christ or something, I'll will throw one out. Instrumental music. Well, if, if we have to, we have to come to the table with that study, understanding I have been taught since I was born that we don't, that we don't worship with instruments, right? And so we understand I am bringing this to the table when I study. I have to understand that. That's very difficult to do a lot of times because. We think, uh, you know, God said it, I believe it, you know, kind of like Scott said, uh, and, and then we kind of insert into, because we've been taught a certain thing for a long time, well, this is what God said. Um, so I won't launch into anything about instruments, but uh, that's part of all of this. Well, I had several more questions, but we will stay right there for today. Thanks for being here. You're dismissed.